What's up, Collective? Have you ever been interested in training MMA or even as far as becoming an MMA fighter or a Muay Thai fighter? Well, you may want to listen to this episode because I'm going over part of the dangerous aspects, potentially dangerous aspects of this career choice. So keep listening. What is up, Collective? This is the Collective Culture Podcast. I'm Nina. If you're new, thank you for joining me, especially if you're a fellow MMA enthusiast or fighter or trainer. Welcome. Today, we are going to be talking about, well, the most less talked about part of MMA fighting and training, uh, the dangerous side of it. And yes, there are dangerous sides of it. Um, before I get into that, I do want to preference and let you guys understand that this is not to deter anyone or scare anyone away from mixed martial arts, um, whether you want to train it or you want to go into it as a career. This is just me being realistic and you guys being realistic and understanding the potential risk involved of injury um, and things that, that is going to happen to your body, Okay. Uh, I'm going to be talking about injuries from head to toe and also weight cutting, okay? I'm going to share with you guys my own personal uh, experience with my physical body um, and injuries I've sustained in training and coaching. And then I'm going to be talking about just a general broad spectrum and things I've, I've seen being in the industry for over a decade. So we're gonna get right into this. If you guys are interested in checking out my abstract artwork or my photography, please click the link tree link below and there you will find the social media. My art is available at Sachi Art Gallery and you can also purchase the Collective Culture merch and I also have my art and photography on prints on the shop as well. So that's all below. If you guys want to join this conversation or you want to ask me any questions that I may not have answered in this episode, then please email me at the link below, media.collectiveculture at gmail. Okay, so let's get into this. So MMA, what is MMA? It is mixed martial arts, okay? We all pretty much know what martial arts is, but I'm just going to tell you the experience from my experience. Um, I had... I have been in this industry for over a decade. I started training mixed martial arts in 2008. So I've been doing it a pretty long time. Um, and I trained for a really long time. I've also coached fighters. Um, and I've seen a lot and I've experienced a lot on my own. So I'm going to start with myself. I'm going to tell you uh, what injuries I sustained while my training or during my training, I should say. Um, now I want to, I want to start by saying that the injuries that I, that I had inflicted were on myself by myself. Okay. And I don't mean by myself and nobody else was involved necessarily, but it was my own fault that I incurred these injuries. Okay. So I'm going to start with the most severe injury to the less severe injury. So my most severe injury that I sustained during my, all these years of, my mixed martial arts training was that I dislocated my jaw twice. Okay. And when I say, um, I did it myself, 
I mean just that. <laughs> it was my own fault that I dislocated my jaw twice. Okay, you would have thought I would have learned the first time, but I did not. Let me get a drink of water. So the first time, and I have to actually explain this. So there are, there are ways to lessen the risk of injury, okay? You can virtually not get injured at all if you kind of follow these basics. One being you choose the right gym, okay? And what I mean by the right gym is it's gonna have the right, it's gonna have the right energy, it's gonna have the best coaches, the best sparring partners, training partners. And that's my second one is picking good coaches. And then thirdly, it is the intention that you have when you go into this, okay? If you go into a gym with a meathead mindset of wanting to bully, pick on, or beat people up, you're going to have a really rough time in this industry because the majority of the people in this industry and Dana White, they're not gonna stand for that type of behavior or attitude, okay? So if you go into it cocky with an ego, that's fine. Just know that that's gonna get knocked down quite a bit. Once you start training, you're gonna be very humbled, <laughs> um, which most people learn. And another thing which is leading me back to my injuries, I had ego going into my training. So I started training um, in a group setting Muay Thai kickboxing. I was doing jiu-jitsu also, but I was I preferred Muay Thai, preferred stand-up and striking. So I took private classes, one-on-one um, -on -one classes with me and a coach in a very well-respected gym. Shout out to Grudge Training Center in Colorado. And I had a really, really awesome coach who was very experienced, very knowledgeable, and just all-around great coach. Um, shout out to you, Coach Youngs. I know he doesn't like any attention on him, so we won't say his first name. <laughs> anyway, go check out his gym. He he runs Denver Muay Thai, so check him out in Colorado if you're in the area. Anyway, I was very blessed. I had a really well-respected gym to train at and a really well-respected coach to train me. So... Even though I came into it with an ego, I was very much taken care of and shown the way, right? Which doesn't happen all the time, which is why you really have to be be particularly uh, picky with the gym and the coaches that you choose. And real quick, I will say, I got a lot, I got a lot of information and I got really good in a quicker amount of time because I did privates versus the group classes. I'm not gonna say that, that the group classes aren't good, they are, but private lessons are absolutely better. It's just my opinion. So I didn't also go into this training wanting to be a fighter, okay? And I never actually was. I had, within about six months of my training, I had a potential fight and um, two of the people that were supposed to fight me backed down, backed out of it, so I didn't end up fighting, which I was kind of fine with. I really didn't go into training wanting to be to compete. Um, however, like I said, going into a good gym, they're not going to let you spar until you've been training for quite some time. And even though I had been training for quite some time, I still had that ego. And when I went into the ring to spar with my coach, I brought that ego into the ring with me and I dislocated my jaw twice because of it, okay? And what I mean by bringing my ego in, and that's how I dislocated my jaw, 
I was more focused on how I appeared to my coach and wanting to dominate him, even though it was never going to happen. He's way bigger than me and has 10 plus years of experience over me. Um, but there was just this ego, right? I also have to say I was really the only girl in the gym at this point. Okay. This was before the days of Ronda Rousey and any girls were fighting in the UFC. Um, there was really hardly no women in the gym at the time. It was also at that time, Grudge Training Center was a private gym. So it was really just professional UFC fighters training in there. So I didn't want to be the weak only girl, right? And I would felt like I had to prove myself a lot. And during a sparring um, session, I did not block a punch. I did not block the punch. I didn't protect my face and I had my mouth open. So that is how my jaw got dislocated. Now, the reason I had my mouth open is because I didn't blow my nose before I started sparring. And when you, you know, take a couple punches to the nose, which will happen regardless of how much you train, you're gonna take a punch here and there, okay? You guys have seen fighters take punches and they train day in, day out, okay? And once you've taken a couple punches to the nose from gloves at 50%, 40%, your nose is going to start to swell. Your nasal cavity is gonna swell. Think of it as if you had a cold, right? You can't breathe through your nose. So that's what happened. And because I didn't blow my nose, I couldn't breathe at all. So what happened was I automatically started to breathe out of my mouth which meant my jaw was vulnerable. So, and not blocking the punch, right? So I did not do the things that I was trained to do up until that point. And it's very frustrating, you know? And then you start to beat yourself up and you go through this whole um, episode of, you know, what I did wrong. And it's, it's supposed to be a learning experience, you know? That's what it is every single time that you train or you spar. And I did it again. Now, not back to back. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think it was back to back sparring sessions, but I did it again. And that was the last time. And I have never done it again. So I absolutely learned from that and it never happened again. Now, that was my most severe injury that I sustained during training, okay? Um, which wasn't the worst, okay? It could be a lot worse. I am gonna suffer long-term effects. Uh, my jaw clicks a little bit every once in a while when I, when I chew certain foods or if I eat apples or steak or something where I really have to chew. Um, sometimes I do have jaw pain, but it could have been a lot worse. Um, so it wasn't. Um, other injuries that I sustained and they're going to affect me long-term are kicking with no shin guards. Now in Muay Thai, you use your shins, you kick with your, you hit, you impact with your shins, uh, which is very effective in combat sports, uh, but over time it can definitely damage your shins a little bit. Um, I have calluses all the way down my shins. And basically if you were to run your finger down your shin, if you felt mine, there's bumps all the way down my shins. And that is because that is from years of kicking a heavy bag and tie pads and checking kicks. And what I mean by checking kicks is that's bone on bone, okay? 
so it's me hitting another person's knee sometimes or shin with my shin, okay, which hurts really bad. But the reason you check is so that you don't get kicked in the ribs. <laughs> um, so it's very effective for blocking so you don't sustain worse injuries in your ribs. However, I do believe now that after years and years of kicking with my shins, um, both protected and unprotected, I now get shin splints pretty easily during running. And I'm an avid runner. I run probably four to five times a week. Um, yeah, so it's not fun. Um, I've also, when I started mixed martial arts training, I had mild uh, rheumatoid arthritis and osteoporosis. And it's definitely gotten worse over the years because of the constant impact on my joints that punching and kicking has and elbowing and kneeing. And so that's gonna affect me as I get older. Um, I can definitely see um, more and more how my ring and pinky fingers on both hands, the joints in my knuckles and my fingers are, they do get achy when I experience cold weather. Um, and that being said, on my ring and pinky finger knuckles, when I was training consistently, I, you couldn't see those two knuckles. I had built up calluses on both of those knuckles, um, so you couldn't see the bones poking through. Uh, they have come back. My pinkies are not all the way back, but they're, they're visible at least. Um, and then, you know, I've had bruises. I remember the first time I bruised the top of my foot, also my fault, because when you kick tie pads, you're supposed to hit the tie pad with your shin, <laughs> not with the top of your foot. And when you're not, um, when you're not doing correct technique, you are gonna hit the tie pad with your foot or the heavy bag with your foot. And over time, you're going to cause bruising. And so I've done that a lot. I've had a lot of bruises. Uh, one of the main bruises that was pretty gnarly um, that I had consistently was on my forearms and elbows from, from throwing elbows. So when you throw an elbow, you don't have a shin guard for your elbow, so to speak. You know, So you're really hitting raw skin on that canvas material in a heavy bag or a tie pad or even a boxing mitt. And you know, you're, you're doing it hard. You know, you're going at 100% power um, and it will start to rip the skin off of your forearm and your elbow. And that hurts like hell. <laughs> it hurts like hell and you bruise it and it's very painful to take a shower or a bath. And I think that I've probably got some nerve damage <laughs> throughout my body from extensive training. Um, but don't let, don't let on the fact to think that I didn't enjoy any of this. That's why I've done it for so long and that's why I kept going back to it. And that's why I encourage people to do it, especially women, and why I still am in love with the sport and why I have so much passion for it. Because, and I said this before in other episodes about mixed martial arts, it has changed my life forever in the most beautiful way. Um, it is intensified my self-esteem to levels I didn't even know could exist. And I have this like real authentic confidence in myself now that has not left me since the day I started training, okay? And for a woman especially, 
that is something that we we struggle with. Men too, absolutely, but it is something that I see more and more with women with their confidence. Um, and it has definitely helped me feel stronger. You know, as women, we feel vulnerable as it is. So when you when you know you can take care of yourself physically, it changes your the way that you look at the world too. You know. So it has dramatically changed my life for the good and I would do it all over again. I would dislocate my jaw all over again or I would learn not to let that happen. <laughs> but I would go through it all over again because it was absolutely worth it to me um, for the benefits that it has brought to my life. So I don't want anyone to be afraid. I'm going to tell you some more serious um, of, uh, effects and dangerous aspects of mixed martial arts. Um, it's more so going to be on the fighting end than, than the training end. Um, but I just want you guys to be realistic. It's not for everyone, okay? Martial arts training is not for everyone. I feel like everyone should know simple self-defense, uh, but not everyone is going to be able to train mixed martial arts. So, although MMA is a very popular sport, there are people who still see it as too brutal and violent. But how dangerous is it? MMA fighting is dangerous, okay? In spite of what, in spite of being a sport, the primary goal, unlike most other sports, is to inflict bodily pain on the opponent to win the bout. For this reason, the risk of suffering an injury during an MMA match is really high. Okay, so that's the difference. So, we're going to talk about training, though. MMA training is not dangerous and you don't have to worry too much about injury. I don't, I wouldn't go as far to say it's not dangerous at all. It's up to you. Like I said, if you go in there with an ego and intention to use this training in a negative way, you are going to get injured. Okay. Or you're going to, or, and, or you're going to injure someone else. And of course, this also depends between the schools as some gyms put more focus on safety than others. Yes, some people are really lax with um, the protective gear, but overall the risk of getting hurt is really low in MMA training and mostly it's because of the gym and the coaches, guys. Keep that in mind, okay? And the protect protective gear. So when students are trading strikes in training, for instance, they throw with 50%, like I said, or less power. Now, somebody you are training with, if you're just training and they're your sparring partner and you feel like they're hitting you way, you know, over 50% or something that is hurting you, you have to say something. That is not okay. That's not okay. Um, this is because the focus is on learning how to carry out the techniques, not hurting the training partner. It's really hard to suffer an injury if you're doing things this way. Again, things are going to happen, okay? Like I said, there. when I smacked my, the back, the front of my foot, the top of my foot on the tie pad and I, and I got a severe bruise, it's one, because I was not kicking correctly. I was not doing the technique correctly, right? And I was not, I was trying to be strong when I knew that I had bruised my foot. Now, there's a difference between bruising and stinging. Or, well, no. Stinging will indicate that there is a bruise starting to form. If it just it just feels like hot, heat, slap, that's not a bruise. You're going to know when it starts to bruise. It's going to hurt really bad. And that's because a bruise is forming. Okay? 
So you have to stop. And I didn't stop. Okay, I didn't stop until I had a really bad bruise on the top of my foot. MMA training gets even safer if we move to the grappling aspect. Okay, some of this I agree with, guys. Rolling on the mats in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is very safe because it doesn't include any striking. Now, here's my problem with that sentence. Eventually, you are going to be doing striking in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu also. Okay, there is a such thing as grounded pound, which you will be training eventually. And you can absolutely get hurt in grappling, okay? You're contorting your body and your limbs and your joints in all kinds of crazy ways that your body is not used to, okay? So if you are doing things like the coach is telling you and you're not doing it or you're not listening or you're having that ego, you will get injured, okay? If the partner catches you in an arm bar or a rear naked choke, for instance, you just need to tap out to get out of it to get out of it and avoid any injuries. See, that's what I'm talking about. There are so many people that I see that don't tap out because they think they are strong. They think they are, you know, oh, I'm in this gym training, so I'm I'm invincible, right? No. And there's no shame in tapping out, guys. Some of the biggest names in the UFC tap out during training, okay? So is competing in MMA dangerous? Yes. Fighting in MMA matches is dangerous just as in any other combative sport. It differs a lot from training since the goal is to hurt the opponent much as fast, much, wait, to hurt the opponent as much and as fast as possible. Pro MMA fighters throw each punch or kick with violent intent to knock the opponent out cold. And they are also much more aggressive during, during the grappling as well. Yes. So... Two things, too, that I just remembered during grappling, during jiu-jitsu training, especially gi training, when you have a jiu-jitsu gi on, I had, because my fingers were constantly gripping at the gi, when I was done with class, my fingers would actually shake. Like, I was damaging the nerves in my fingers. This also happened when I had boxing gloves on for long periods of time, because you're constantly making a fist. And I remember when I would take my gloves off and I'd extend my fingers, I was in a lot of pain. Um, So just keep that in mind too. The risk of suffering an injury during an MMA match is really high. Scientists at Psych Sports Med did a really good and detailed study on the rate of injuries in MMA. They used the UFC's injury report from the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Um, They're ringside physicians. From 2016 to 2018, they recorded 291 muscular, musculoskeletal skeleton and head injuries in 285 fights. The most common injuries reported were head injuries at 64 or 67%. Excuse me. Unlike in training, fighters don't wear any gear, protective gear, apart from a pair of four ounce of May gloves. And you guys have all seen them if you've watched the UFC. These gloves expose the fingers and the fingernails, which is a really common argument for the commission, for the fighting commission, because it has caused blindness. From fingernail grazes to the eyeballs. I know that Michael Bisbing has actually lost his eye. Um, I believe from a finger poke. You guys can look it up, but it's it can be very dangerous. So it's something that all fighters and coaches um, have been 
very, you know, disheartened from the lack of us trying to figure out something else. But then again, it's like really hard to figure out a different glove um, construction for MMA. So now I'm going to talk about the most common injuries from head to toe. Okay, so 77% of the injuries are head and face. So fighters suffer most head and face injuries from receiving head strikes like punching elbows and kicks to the face. So they experience most fractures, broken noses, orbital bones, or jaw breaking, facial abrasions, deep cuts, concussions. Uh, Concussions are serious, guys. um, Multiple concussions throughout someone's life can cause brain damage. Uh, Number two, at 19% is wrist and hands, uh, torn muscles, joint dislocation, fractures. 15% is knee injuries, patella dislocation, uh, torn meniscus, torn ACL. 10% is feet, ankle sprains, fractures, contusions. 9% is shoulders, uh, rotator cuff tear, um, shoulder dislocation. 5% is lower leg injuries, fractures, lacerations, abrasions. 4% is elbows, sprains of the ligament, tendonitis. So, you know, and then there's this question that I hear a lot in the community. Is football more dangerous than MMA? I would say just basing it off of concussions alone, I'm not talking about anything else, football is definitely more dangerous. I feel like football players sustain a lot more concussions than MMA fighters do. Um, And I've been in the community for so long that I I know the statistics of the fighters who um, suffer from concussions. They're not near as many as football players. And I'm talking about the NFL. Uh, I'm sure it happens in college football too. But as far as I know, NFL football players experience a lot of concussions. So let's move on to weight cutting. Um, And this is for athletes in general. This is not just for um, MMA fighters, but I will say something I see a lot of. I, I, I get really, as a coach and as a fellow trainer, I get very worried about the fighters who try to go from 195 pounds to 200 pounds and try to cut weight to fight at 155. That is taking so much of a toll on your physical body and and your brain function. And it's scary. That's a giant weight cut. And I'm going to let you guys know what weight cutting is. So many athletes think that leaner equals fitter and quicker. But is dropping weight quickly helping or hindering your performance? Spoiler alert, weight cutting isn't doing what you think it is, and many people may be getting more than they bargained for when they drop weight quickly. So here's a rundown. What is weight cutting? Weight cutting, or simply cutting, is the process of dropping a large amount of body mass, including body fat and body water weight, in a very short period of time. Whereas losing 0.5 to 2 pounds per week is considered normal weight loss, Weight cutting usually far exceeds that pace with athletes losing double-digit pounds in a few days or a week. Whether for aesthetics or, or athletic competition, weight cutting usually includes some scary practices. And I've seen these guys with the fighters. 
Severely cutting calories, fasting, forced dehydration, towel wrapping and or sweatsuits, and even medically abusive practices like laxatives, diet pills, diuretics, enemas, and sporting bulimia, which is vomiting. Why do people do this? Athletes weight cut for a variety of reasons, and many of them are dependent on the sport. Now, with competitive sports, like we're talking about, um, use, they use weight cutting to qualify their weight class, right? It is, it is so ingrained in the culture that it is considered a standard part of preparing for a fight. In fact, some, for some fighters, weight cut, cutting is a strategy aimed to competitively qualify for a lower weight class and get mismatched with a naturally smaller opponent. Yes, it does happen. And like I mentioned in the example before, with somebody who weighs 190 going down to 155, what they don't understand about that, what I I have stressed to my fighters and people I've trained with and coaches, you're not performing at 100% when you have to cut that much weight because you're having to do drastic things to cut that weight, right? Not to mention the fact that you're going through a six-week fight camp, okay? That's the typical um, amount of time that a a fight camp is, is six weeks. Some can be less, some can be more. But typically it's six weeks. So unintentional consequences of weight cutting. Okay, and I have seen this in the fighting community. Not a lot, but I have seen it in the fighting community. Although the goal of weight cutting is to drop pounds quickly, there are other negative side effects. One is hormonal imbalances. Because body fat is tied to hormone production, weight cutting has been found to influence testosterone, growth hormone, cortisol, and insulin levels. This can affect bone mineral density, reproductive health, and blood sugar regulation. This is very serious, guys. It can also create eating disorders. The practice of weight cutting can lead to disordered view of health and body image. Overly restrictive diets, rules, and over-exercising can develop into an eating disorder. The next is, of course, your increased risk of injury. The combination of low bone mineral density from low sex hormones and malnourishment can cause an athlete to be more vulnerable to injury. This could translate into a torn ACL, a damaged elbow, and even greater head trauma in the case of combative sports. Also, cardiovascular risks and stroke. Acute dehydration can lead to a reduction in blood plasma and total blood volume. This can impair cardiovascular function, muscle blood flow, and the ability to regulate body temperature. The increased thickness of dehydration dehydrated blood is also associated with an increase in heart disease risk and stroke. So this is very serious on the body, okay? There is a healthy way um, to be an MMA fighter. You know, it's, it's obvious. It's the obvious. Before I get to the next one, it's really obvious. If you're, for the example I'm using, if you're 198 or if you're 190 pounds walking around, you should fight at middleweight. You should fight at welterweight, 170 pounds. I don't even know if you should fight at middleweight. I think if you're 190 to 200 pounds, you should probably fight at 170. Well, yeah, or middleweight. So poor performance, like I said, one of the main components of calorie restriction is carb restriction, which leads to reduced 
um, oxygen levels. It increases your dehydration, um, or it exaggerates, or it exaggerates your dehydration. Exacerbates. I cannot talk today. Exacerbates your dehydration and and create fatigue overall, which will impair your performance. So I'm going to give you guys a little bit of tips for how to lose weight healthily, like how to healthy healthily lose the weight, and it's going to be over time. Um, one thing that I wish humans understood that some things take time. And when we try to do anything overnight, it has damaging effects, okay? So number one is set realistic goals for your weight loss. A lot of times people judge their weight loss based on what they've seen in a magazine or a social media post, and then you're not using your body type. You're looking at the person who is at this weight and you may be 100 pounds more than that. So you're not being realistic with the weight loss goals. So the rule kind of is 5% of body weight per month, okay? 7.5% of body weight in three weeks, 10% of body weight in six months, 20% of body weight in a year, okay? Weight loss should happen gradually over time. In addition to I mentioned what I mentioned earlier in the percentages, consider that losing half a pound to two pounds per week is considered the recommended weight rate for weight loss, okay? And then also consider why you're doing this. The only reason why you should be doing this is to be healthy. Whether you are preparing for a fight in a fight camp or you are just trying to be healthier in general. Exercising a healthy amount. Also, I see people overdo it constantly. Guys, I'm one of those people. I have to check myself. That goes for your mental health and your mindset. They have to work hand in hand. Like I said at the beginning, if you're going into a martial art training for the first time with a meathead mentality where you want to beat everybody up, you're going to have a really hard time. You're going to have a really hard time. You're going to overdo it completely, and you're going to end up injuring yourself. One thing that I see so much with people who overdo exercise is they think that if they push themselves, they're going to get to that goal quicker. They're going to learn the technique quicker. They're going to lose the weight quicker. Actually, what's going to happen is you're going to overwork your muscles. You're going to possibly twist an ankle. You're going to tear an ACL. And then what's going to happen is you're going to be put on your ass in a cast or a doctor's plan of care where you can't work out for six weeks to six months. I'm just saying, guys, don't get the injury. Do whatever you have to do to not get injured. Okay. And lastly, stay properly hydrated. Some combative athletes report using dehydration tactics to lose up to 9% of their body mass in 24 hours leading up to a weigh-in for a fight. Yes, it does happen. That is not only excessive, it's dangerous. Hydration status itself can be identified through urine color and quantity. Greater degrees of dehydration are evident by smaller quantities of urine and more deeply orange or yellow, yellow urine. So just keep that in mind, guys. And lastly, weight cutting is not recommended. It's weight cutting is not recommended. Its biggest problem is the breakneck speed and drastic methods required to lose a given amount of body mass in an unreasonable, guys, unreasonable amount of time. 
Athletes that are looking for a competitive advantage through weight cutting need to ask themselves if it's worse impairing performance or risking death. So, again, if you go into a gym and you start training at martial arts or you do a private with a coach, make sure they are keeping you healthy and safe. If they don't tell you to stretch before and after, if they're not concerned with your water intake, if they're putting you in the sparring ring after your second class, these are all no-nos, okay? These are all bad, bad, bad practices, and you need to get out of that gym or you need to get a different coach. And I would report that coach, okay? It is not okay because people are getting hurt and kids go to these classes. Young kids go to these classes. We don't need kids getting hurt. The whole point of an MMA gym is to instill discipline and create humans who are at an optimal existence, right? Where their body is functioning, probably they're in shape, they're getting really good amounts of cardio. And not only that, they're rewiring their mindset, okay? When you become a humble person, a lot of the stuff that you used to care about, you don't care about anymore. And you start to see what's important, right? So again, this episode was not to scare anyone, even though it probably did, which it should, which means you're gonna take it serious. But it's not to scare you from doing it. It's not to scare you away from from training martial arts or even going into a career doing it. It's simply so that you are educated. And like I said, if I didn't go, I probably didn't go over everything. I don't want to have this episode be three hours long. But if I didn't answer any question that you may have, please email me at media.collectiveculture at gmail. The link is below. And ask. I've been doing this a long time. And if I don't know the answer, I guarantee you I know somebody who does. So with that being said, I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope that it shed some light on some things that aren't really talked about. Um, And until next time, ciao.